Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the, the Racing with Jason podcast. Here's we have a very awesome interview coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Dennis Guy actually just got off the phone with Dennis and a pretty good uh, interview, man. Well, way to announce that we pre-recorded that. Well, I mean, it's a podcast. People know. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, no, actually, Dennis is a great conversationalist, to say the least. He's very knowledgeable, uh, very worldly, uh, very experienced in the sports world. Uh, you know, amazingly, racing is the least experienced thing he probably has dealt with. Yeah. but he still is very knowledgeable and knows his stuff and everything just because of his family background and whatnot so so yeah the uh the quarterback and baseball player i guess uh, we found out turned uh turned race car driver after a few years but coming off a great weekend of racing obviously we were at arizona speedway this past weekend with the usac southwest series sprint car guys and man what a phenomenal race jake swanson and logan cv put on uh jake starting back in 17th man took the lead and led i think it took the lead like right around the halfway point and thought he was gonna get that one until you know beating off uh the boards right there come off of turn number two gave the old one niner the victory there with Logan Seavey. Yeah, he. it is a spectacular race. I will say that. Um, and without getting into details and my disgust on this, but it is one of the races that we were able to save this weekend, and it is up at Gestalt Production. And I definitely recommend you check it out because it is one of the exciting races you've seen in a while. Yeah, always good to have those guys back. I mean, hey, last year with the 410 guys, you know, the National Series, we saw great racing at the Western World. And this was the first trip uh, for the uh, USAC uh, Southwest 410s now uh, being at the racetrack. And if that's what the racing's going to look like this year, sign me up, my man, because yeah. that was just amazing to uh, go out there and watch. Also saw Jake O'Neill in the IMCA Modifieds, uh, Chase Rudolph in the Sport Mods, and John Foster got the win in the Dwarf Cars. You might be noticing the bombers are missing. Uh, reached the curfew with which I'm actually not that sad about. We are giving them double feature uh, coming up in the near future. But I think with the way that sprint car race was and it obviously being the Lila McSpadden classic. To end that way. You, you end it with that one, right? Like yeah. it, it's like, it, I mean, me and you go to wrestling. You know, we went to the Royal Rumble <laughs> and you were like, man, that Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles match sucked. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came after Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble, which is what we all wanted to see. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it was the come down match, which it had to suffer. And, you know, I don't like to see the bomber guys suffer like that. So maybe something could be done where we get these sprint cars on last every week because that was awesome. Well, I've actually grown to love the bombers. I've said that a few times, along with the IMCA stock cars. Like I've grown to love these guys. But, you know, lately, to be honest with you, the bombers are just, you know, green to green to checker, you know, just go around. I mean, it's exciting. They still bang and things like that, but that sprint car race, you're absolutely right, was phenomenal from beginning till end, and there was racing everywhere involved. I know talking to Riley, our uh, video guy that does a lot of the videos on there, you know, he had a lot of choices he had to make, and he, he made a lot of good ones, thank goodness, um, but I mean, that's how interesting, I mean, Bruce St. James finishing seventh in his 360. Winning the heat, pulling away yeah, from RJ. RJ. RJ says he let off, but, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get, yeah. I, I, you know, I was doing like a little uh, Facebook live video during because we had the Easter egg hunt, and I was like, well, Bruce, I will hang on to that uh, win, and he's like, hey, hang on, I was pulling away Way. It's like, well, I don't want to give you too much credit, you know. Uh, want the fans to believe it. <laughs> you know, there's there's probably a conspiracy out there that the video problems we had this weekend, uh, Jason, is because Bruce ran away and, uh, you know, nobody wanted to see it. So. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to show him. <laughs> no, we're just no. kidding uh, with Bruce. No, I, 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 
messaged Bruce uh, when I realized we weren't getting it back, and I apologized to him because you know I know he would have loved to have seen that, but uh, no, I mean it's you know it is just phenomenal out there the racing on these guys, and uh, looking forward to it. hopefully they continue it can can continue it this weekend at uh, Canyon. There's a lot of cans in there. Yeah, uh, Canyon Speedway Park also ran this weekend with the SWDRA late models. Craig Parker was the winner out there. Uh, George Franzman, who uh, recently won in a stock car at our track, picked up another win at Canyon Speedway Park. Uh, Bradley Stafford got it done in the hobby stocks. Chaz Baca in the mod lights. Again, surprise, right? And uh, Mason Kiefer picked up the mini sprint win at Canyon Speedway Park this past weekend. Uh, they drew a lot of mini sprints. A uh, good little uh, mini sprint. Really? Yeah, I think they had like 18. I, I didn't see their car count at all, but I, I heard they got done early. <laughs> yeah, they're done about 10, 10, according to uh, Facebook. <laughs> I, I feel like that was a jab, but... Yeah, um, I, I feel like most of the things Rowdy Post is jabs, but hey, I know. you know what happens. The, I mean, you know, it good you know lord knows i want an early night of racing to end but if an, if a night's going to go long because of excellent race because the dwarfs at uh arizona speedway was a good race this uh this weekend and you know everything else so if i if i see good racing and it runs long i'm okay with that uh coca paw speedway ran down in yuma imc modified winner was russell allen Corey hemphill picked up the sport mod win brian fitzgibbons got the hobby stock win uh brody lopez and aiden figuero got the uh, wins in their respective dwarf classes and then Mojave Valley Raceway you ran as well this past weekend. Ronnie Meyer with the modified win. A lot of modified action this weekend. Um, the mini stock was Shane Vasquez. Mac Marmon with the dwarf car win. Uh, mini sports was Noah Gear. Jim Morris got the super stocks win. And the street stocks went to Kevin Cox. So congratulations to all of the race winners. Uh, I know you went out last Friday night, saw some Hornets racing um <laughs> down at a usa raceway during the uh, monster truck malicious monster yes. truck tour how was that so the hornets are racing this weekend down at et that's why i went down there on friday i had i had some time and decided to go down there and just film them to get some footage of them for some for some promotion and stuff and i ain't gonna lie to you like i i texted you probably during it and i was like this is the most fun i've ever seen I had at a racetrack in my life they were banging they were literally knocking each other off the racetrack it, it was the most fun I've, I've ever seen it on a racetrack for you know a mini oval of course you know on the inside track or whatever you call it i call it the mini oval i don't know what and they just weed whacked all the grass off of there <laughs> yeah they bladed it i was told oh there you go um no they're a fun little class so if they race like that you know they're they're obviously a pavement class down there and they're coming back on the dirt. you you could tell there was some uneasiness uh you know obviously uh tim old uh was uh pretty dang good down there and, and he's driven on dirt for a lot of years so he, he was the most comfortable and came from behind a lot to to get in there even though on friday night he did have engine trouble after getting smashed <laughs> at one point um but as you could tell but as that class uh grows with that dirt track down there with usa raceway i, I you know they're gonna be a formidable class and, and down there and they're gonna be fun to watch well definitely looking forward to that also looking forward to bringing you this awesome interview with dennis Kyle. it's coming up next Missed the race this past weekend? No worries. You can catch up on all the door banging, slide job throwing action at GestaltProduction.com. Gestalt Production specializes in race videos, but is also looking to help your small business grow. For more information, visit GestaltProduction.com and subscribe to their YouTube page. So, tomorrow night's a big night for local sports, I guess. You're the quarterback whisperer. Where's, uh, where's Kyler Murray going? You know, I don't know. I don't think he should go number one overall. That's for sure. Um, I think he's extremely talented physically. 
Um, from a cerebral standpoint, I don't know if he's ready for that level of play, especially with a team that struggles with protection and play calling. And, you know, Cliff will obviously bring a new dimension. Um, but he's he's not he's not ready to start over Brett Hundley, in my opinion, or Josh Rosen. Um, from a physical standpoint, obviously, he's way more physical, physically gifted than anyone they have. But, um, I mean, he's, he's five foot nine at best. And I'm not a big guy on height, but, I mean, five foot nine is short. What they have on the combine? Five, five ten. ten. Five ten, ten and like ten. one quarter. Yeah, one they're giving him an second. inch. I've, I've, I've been around him plenty of times. He's he's short. That's why they always tell him once you get that first. Uh, when you do something good, don't do that it again. First, yeah, yeah, that first recording in. It's like, nope, don't do it again at your pro day. <laughs> you got you got the no. combine stats. Don't do it again. Exactly. Well, I agree with you, Dennis. They better not draft him number one. I'll be upset. No, I don't think they will. I mean. They might, but I would I'd be surprised. I don't I don't get why. So even with like Drew Brees being you know so short, um, that stigma is still there for short guys, short quarterbacks, huh? Well, I mean, five ten and a half and five nine are big difference. Yeah. And Drew Brees is probably the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. So yeah, it's hard to compare him to Kyler Murray, who from. Like I said, from the cerebral side, it's not even close. Well, I always like the Drew Brees picks when he's behind, you know, a six foot three lineman. And he's on his tippy toes trying to see over him to see down the field to throw. Like, I love when they do those. They do those videos. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's obviously, I mean, he's thrown the ball so many times to his receivers. The repetition and the timing anticipation of where he throws the balls and what windows against what coverages. I mean, he's got that down pack, so... That helps tremendously, and that started when he was a freshman in college. So, so you, oh, go ahead. So you, you know, played some football. Let's kind of look back at some of your uh, your football stuff before you know, obviously got into racing. Uh, was racing even like an option back then, or was it just kind of like I want to do football? I mean, you broke camp with the Patriots. You played for my uh, Canadian team, the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. I love those guys. Um, and then you know, kind of did some arena stuff. Was uh, racing an option back then, or were you just strictly focused on uh, football, football, football? Um, I mean, obviously, with both my grandpas being in the Racing Hall of Fame and growing up at Manzanita Speedway, I mean, I always wanted the race, but from a financial standpoint, no one in my family could, could afford that. And obviously, with football and baseball and other sports that I was good at, you know, I focused on that as a kid. Um, you know, if we were financially able to, well, you know, my dad probably would have put me in a race car back in the day when I was younger, but that wasn't really an option. I mean, we grew up, you know, you know, not necessarily poor, but not well off either. And so, right. you know, it's, it's been week to week, you know, when I was a kid for my family, probably pretty much my whole childhood. So, um, you know, football was, you know, something that I strived at. I was probably just as good or better in baseball, but it just was boring to me. And so I stuck with, with football. And, you know, obviously when you're playing professional football, you're not allowed to do stuff like race. It's in your contract that you can't do stuff like that. So when I retired and, had some more money and started getting some sponsors and people to help me out. You know, that was, that was when it was kind of first available to me like four or five years ago. So I saw, I was doing some Googling, you know, your Wikipedia page. <laughs> he, he, uh, was, he was stalking you, Dennis. And uh, I actually saw you have a, uh, a CFL card out from 2004 <laughs> with the, uh, the Rough Riders. Uh, 
little bit out of my budget. It was two dollars to buy. Um, but you have <laughs> you have any of those lying around or what? <laughs> I actually might have some of those. That's uh, I got that picture. That that picture from that card is actually the, the day after I got my wisdom teeth pulled. So it looks like I'm half retarded in that picture because <laughs> um, I because I couldn't like close my mouth or open it all the way. So. Um, I uh, I do have some of those laying around somewhere, but two dollar two dollar Canadian football that's that seems kind of high. That's that's impressive. That's what I thought. I was like, man, hey. where's the Beckett at? Got to bust it out. Yeah. Is that American dollars <laughs> man, though, gonna, or I think I have like a thousand of those. I, I can make a couple grand. <laughs> it's on CanadianFootballCards.com. Uh, you can you can find it right there. But but is it American dollars or is it Canadian? Because there's know. an exchange rate issue there. I didn't so. check it out. Yeah. The Canadian League dollars are not worth as much as ours. Yeah, so it might it might be only worth like a quarter. So no, it's it'll be like eighty to ninety cents on the dollar. Usually, <laughs> you can't you can't you can't take it back that far. Yeah, I know. I, I took it too far. I know. I know. I think I think Jason wants an autographed one. Is what he's getting. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Any autograph card up the up the value at least. Two dollars. It'll, $2 go, it'll go in our studio here, up on the wall. I'll take. I'll even take a dollar. That's high price for a Canadian Football League card. There we I'd go. I don't know how many of the guy here has the the quantity that I want. I can just pick and choose whatever. So how did you how did you go from so after you got out of the the football game and everything? What drove you to start up a, a quarterback um, academy? Thank you. <laughs> Lost my train of thought there. Uh, a quarterback I've, academy to train I've to train these doing, guys. I've been doing it. This would this would have been my sixteenth year. Oh wow! So I've I've been doing it for sixteen years basically, and. Um, what happened was when I was playing myself, I was out at a park throwing with some of the NFL guys and um, I seen this large African-American kid come up to me and say, hey, can you teach me how to throw like you do? And I'm like, well, I'll try. I mean, yeah, come throw with us. I mean, I've always loved kids and, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what college does this kid play at? I'm so like, what college do you play at? He's like, oh, I'm in eighth grade. And I'm like, what? Wow. I'm in eighth grade? <laughs> So I'm like, all right, well, let's start throwing with me and stuff. And so I started working with him, and he got better and better and better. And um, now he could end up being a starter for the Arizona Cardinals, and that's Brett Hundley. So that was my first client ever when he was in seventh or eighth grade. And so, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, maybe he was younger than that. When, it, when it's been 15 years, so however long back that was, that's yeah. when I started working. Right. So yeah, I was trying oh, to, four, oh, three, yeah. Well, I was trying to think because he was at UCLA for three years, and then he's been in the pros for four or five, so. And then six or seven years yeah. after that, yeah, so I don't yeah. know, somewhere around there, so sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever he was, and so just kind of watched him do that and then got the next kid, the next kid, the next kid. And I've been, you know, fortunate to work with some really good kids. I've had the number one ranked high school quarterback in the country 14 out of 15 years. So, um, you know, that's not all a testament to me or, you know, it's more God and the kid working hard. But, you know, I've got to work with some really good kids and had a lot of fun and been a part of a lot of uh, kid success stories and making it all the way to the NFL. And so that's always fun to watch a kid. Um you know, fulfill a dream that he's had since he was a little kid. And, and to be part of that, you know, whether it is, you know, a physical or an emotional or a cerebral part, no, no matter what, it's kind of fun to, to have that, take that ride. And, you know, people like Christian Kirk that you've been around since eighth grade, you go to his draft party last year and he gets drafted by the Cardinals. I mean, you can't make that type of stuff up. I mean, those are just fun moments that they kind of make it fun. They keep doing it. And I've just done it for so long, kind of hanging it up and, 
got a new deal that I'm doing with an app and a tech company that I've built. And so still in sports, but more on the recruiting side. What, what's that about? I can't say too much because I have a non-disclosure, non-compete because gotcha. Microsoft is talking about buying it, but it'll come out pretty soon. People will know about it. <laughs> Dennis Gal, always the entrepreneur. <laughs> right. What, um, yeah. So you 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 obviously you know you work with these guys in high school I'm assuming you know some of these guys so you you help them out in the recruiting process so you know like Hunley going to UCLA or um, and things like that how how involved do you get on that just kind of got them or do you work with the colleges no, or I I've I've gotten really you know I got really into depth with trying to get you know as many contacts as I could and through those years um, I mean I've gotten a lot of coaches that call me now to see who they should offer scholarships to. And that's kind of how my new business started is, you know, gaining those relationships and they, you know, they trust me and who I'm going to send them. And, you know, I understand what they need and want, what they can't do and what they can't get because of restrictions from the NCAA. And so, um, I've been a major part of a lot of kids recruiting process over that 15 year span. I mean, I think I've probably helped over a thousand kids get full ride scholarships. Wow. It's impressive right there. Kind of like yeah, the, fun, uh, man. you're like the college agent, except uh, they, <laughs> they don't have agents, right? <laughs> no. no, no agents, and, no and, agents, but just and, someone that kind of helps fill that void because parents don't always understand what's going on and how to do it. And, you know, there's so many restrictions now with NCAA. It's, it's kind of hard to know when you can and can't do things. And so I've learned that process over the years and it was fun. It was fun. So let's get the elephant out of the room. How much did you get paid in college? <laughs> Shoot, I didn't get paid anything. I went to, I went to Central Missouri. Yeah, yeah I was true. Say. Hmm. I, I lived in a crap old apartment and spent two years in Warrensburg, Missouri. Paid. It's. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got like a five thousand dollars stipend a semester after all my books and stuff were paid for, which to me in college was a lot of money. Right. I, I I've been there, believe it or not. I've I've been there. It's a small town though. I mean sure like do you are, are we gonna break any rules by saying this, but I mean do you walk into a pizza joint after a big game and, and you know and you win it and get a free slice. And get, yeah they give you a, a free pizza, you know, and, and maybe a six pack. I mean and, that happens in big schools, but that doesn't happen in small schools. Uh, you know, obviously like, you know, after games and stuff the school would pay for our meals or you know, I mean we had a we had you know, we had free food in the cafeteria and stuff like that. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily that. I mean, I had girls that would pay for my food, but not, not, not the colleges. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Dennis yeah, getting I them just, sugar mamas. I assumed it would be more in the smaller, more in a smaller environment, more than the bigger one. But yeah. no, the bigger environments are where people are getting paid hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars that, to go to yeah. school and that kind of stuff. That stuff really does happen. So. So you retired from football in 2013 from the Kansas City Renegades. Um, and then I think, I believe that's kind of the first time I saw you race. So was there, did you race before that at all? Like when was your first time ever in a car? Not just, you know, a sprint car, but just a race car in general. I'd never been in a race car in my life until I got to a sprint car. Um, never practiced a car, never raced a go-kart, never anything. The only type of vehicle I've been in is the vehicles that I had driving around the street. So I'd never been in a race car. I'd been around them my whole life, but never been in one. So the first time I got in a race car, I did one practice night at Canyon and my dad said, all right, you're ready to race and race challenge cup and got second in my first race. When he said you're ready to race, were you like, uh, am I? Uh? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was a little skeptical, but I mean, I trust my dad's opinion and I know how I am. 
I mean, when it comes to when it comes to you know anything athletically, and I I you know I can attest to you know you might have to to be you might not have to be the best physically gifted athlete in the world, but it takes a talent to to drive a race car, especially a sprint car, and. You know, these guys are athletes. I mean, you know, you look at R.J. Johnson, and he's not going to go out and dunk a basketball, but <laughs> he's a better athlete than people think because the mental toughness you need to drive one of these things and, and especially, like, being able to quiet your mind in crazy pressure situations, like, not, all, not a lot of people in the world can do that, not even professional football and baseball players. It's hard to put yourself in that type of high-pressure situation and be able to quiet your mind and just act like you're on a Sunday drive or you're just in the park throwing a football. It's it's impressive to see some of these guys, how they don't flinch in pressure situations, and that's kind of what it takes. And I think playing quarterback helped me tremendously getting into the race car and not, you know, not really being or worried about anything and just putting it in the God's hands and just going. Yeah, that's another thing I kind of wanted to ask you about. You know, when you look through the pits, I mean, you are probably the uh, most uh, physical, uh, you know, physically fit guy uh, when you put you Charles and RJ up next to each other uh, we're going to pick Dennis Kyle <laughs> first um, going back you know a few weeks ago obviously you know we had the uh, the wreck um, do you feel like your physical fitness helped you with that and were, like able to like walk away and kind of survive that whole ordeal yeah the, the surgeon said it was you know like honestly like a one in a hundred million chances of me surviving that with my aorta ripping and they said you know, there's a couple of different reasons why it survived. And one of the main reasons is because my chest muscles are so strong. It kind of held it together. And, you know, the rest of my body just, like you said, being in shape and strong and, you know, me lifting weights every day and doing that kind of helped the rest of my body. I mean, to only walk away really with, you know, three broken ribs and a broken clavicle and a fractured wrist and a concussion and, and the aorta deal is honestly, the doctors said like, with the way the car was and the, the violence of the flip, like it should have been way worse than that. You know, probably I should probably shouldn't have lived, but I mean, I don't look at it like that. And I'm not scared. Um, the only thing that was really hurt me at the time was my head. And that was, I think that's the first time I know that I've ever gotten a concussion, which is crazy playing football for so many years. That's the first concussion that I know about in my life. And it's obviously the most severe concussion you could get. But that's the only thing that was really bothering me was my head, and that's that's why I was kind of having a hard time walking because my head was hurting so bad. Yeah, we. Uh, I was looking at the video actually earlier today, and we 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 discussed this on Saturday night. But you know, all, all of us video guys missed the actual actual wreck. But we got the aftermath, and everything. I was actually going to cut it off and then send it to you. I wasn't going to post it or anything, but just so you can kind of see. And I mean, you're you're definitely a little woozy when you're walking away. Uh, but I mean, you look. You know, like I said, just knowing what what happened and going through that. I mean, it was kind of amazing watching you walk away from that. Just knowing. The severity of it afterwards so i'll get that over to you here sometime tonight or in the morning on that so you can see it as well but yeah i'd, um, love, to, I'd love to see it sucks that we didn't get all my, my both of my good wrecks that we destroyed the car and i probably shouldn't have walked away from they're not on video i'm like golly at least i could show people how cool it was if i'm gonna have a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> hospital bill Right. Well, I, well, I can't tell you your car upside down and your, you know, your rear tire literally 20 feet away from you. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's still impressive, the aftermath. But but yeah, like I said, you were there on Saturday when I yelled at Riley and told him he needs to uh, be better at that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, I do have a question on the getting to the hospital and stuff and and everything. So um, the, the things that my mind goes to is like, so 
How does a torn... Um, I'm sorry, what'd you have again? What was it? Oh, the, aorta. Aorta. How does that heal itself without surgery? Because, uh, I mean, basically well, that means you're internally bleeding, right? Yeah, so it's it's not supposed to, and you're supposed to die within 30 seconds when that happens. Um, I trained a kid where his dad's one of the top surgeons in the Midwest, and I kind of explained to him what happened. And he said anything over 85 miles an hour, usually they die. It, it, once, once you go from flipping violently to hitting something and your body jolting like that, it just tears your organs in half. And, um, you know, I've had some like soreness in my, you know, different, or I, mean, I could tell like in my stomach and back and stuff that I've had some sorenesses. And, you know, he said I should be completely black and blue. And it's crazy. Like with my bodies, even when I've torn my hamstrings, like I don't bruise at all. So it's like really weird. The only place I bruised was for my IVs, but with the aorta, he said when you're 80, 85 miles an hour and you come to a, a halt like that, the chances of you living are literally like one in a hundred million, like literally. And so, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you're a believer in God, you know, it wasn't my time to go and my time on earth, he needs me longer here. And that's, you know, that's my true belief. And, you know, people might think I'm crazy and this and that, but my, my faith is in the Lord and, you know, it was him that healed it. And, you know, people are, I guess I got my new nickname in racing and there was all kinds of people calling me the Hulk and stuff, which is kind of cool because now I have my nickname in racing. But I mean, I don't have no type of superpowers or strength or anything like that. It's it's literally just, a, it's a God-given miracle that, you know, it healed itself and it it did. And, you know, thank God. Yeah, no, it, it really is good news. Cause I know uh, I was in the infield that night and, um, you know, saw it happen, you know, live. And then I saw your car go by and you know, I saw you walking outside of it and then I saw your car go by and it was just amazing. And you'll see it on the video that I send over and, you know, if you'd like me to post it, you know, just let me know, but, uh, I don't really care. I'm yeah. fine. I mean, it, people, people probably want to see that kind of stuff. I mean, I know like for me, it's, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, some people get kind of weary or weird about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see them. Like, dude, I'm fine. Like, I got hate mail. Cause I posted the pictures <laughs> about what happened, but I figured, I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure Dennis is going to want to see it. And it was after you already posted, Hey guys, I'm going to live. So it's like, all right, cool. So I posted like yeah. the pictures of it and you know, there were some people on there mother effing me and yeah, Stevie was all laughing about one of the guys who was, and I was like, "Yeah, you would like this." He's like, "I think it's funny, man, but that well, not funny what happened, but obviously funny what the guy posted on my page." And then he was all like, right. "I don't see a problem with it." So, yeah. so, yeah. What, so, what do racers think about that? Like, is it just different opinions or what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if someone dies, obviously you probably want to give the family right. their space. But I mean, if you know someone's gonna live, and unless they've asked you not to post anything, like with me, I mean, I don't even care if I die, like. I don't personally care. Like if someone posted something like for me, I want to see that kind of stuff because, you know, I want to kind of know what happened and see like it kind of sucked with costs and stuff because I mean, I was personally watching the race at the time. So I watched it happen, but right. I mean, everyone makes a big deal out of like, Oh, I don't want to show his death and this and that. But then you watch all these people making money off of them still. And it's just like, uh, you're making all this money off of them, but you don't want to see, you don't want them to see the accident. Like if you want awareness of what happened, well, why don't you show the race or show what happened or so the companies can see what they could do different or maybe the crew people or the, the flag people or whoever was yelling. Like you don't know what could have came out of something like this. So it's not like necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we know as race car drivers, that every time we strap in there, like our life is on the line. I don't think most of us think about it. I know I don't think about it ever, but we know that that can happen to us. Just like you can get in a car 
and die on the freeway to work. Like when it's your time, it's your time. Like I don't understand why people get upset, you know, about stuff like that. I know I wasn't upset of any pictures posted or anything. I mean, I had over 4,000 messages within 48 hours on my social media asking if I was all right. And that's cool and overwhelming a lot. And cool to understand, you know, know that people care about you and want to know how you're doing. But at the same time, like, people might want to know what happened. So show them. Like, you know what it is? It's not a big deal. Unless it's a death, like you said, then you probably need to wait and just for legal stuff. But if you know someone's all right, I don't think – I know me personally. I probably know RJ, Stevie, those, you know, my people are my friends. Like, I don't think they care about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I just think it's, you know, especially the aftermath. Like I said, it's nothing bad. It's just more of, you know, uh, you're, not, you're not always in your best moments after, uh, you know, you, you're a quarterback. You've been, I'm sure you've been hit hard a couple of times and watched the video after and you're like, oh my God, please don't ever show me that again. <laughs> Cause you just, you know, you're wobbling away or whatever. But, um, I do have a, I do have a question. Uh, so when you're going around a racetrack and I don't know how much you remember specifically about that one, cause it was, you know, you went up against the wall and, and all that, but what goes through your mind when you have control of the car and then all of a sudden you don't, and you know, something is going to, something's happening that is unnatural. What, what do you, what are you doing at that moment? Holy fucking shit. What's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but I yeah. anyway. Yeah, we but, can leave um, it out. Yeah, well, you know. Um, it's like, you know, you go into the corner and, I'm, you know, I was, I was getting, you know, I started to catch the leader a little bit. I could see him getting closer and closer and closer. So I'm like, all right, I'm starting to get the top coming in. I'm hitting my marks. I'm hitting my marks. I'm hitting my marks. I went into the corner and you can see it on the in-car camera. I hit my mark perfect. And then all of a sudden you're flipping and it's like, I never seen it coming. Whenever I've ever flipped before, I felt it like, oh crap, here we go. I never even knew that I was flipping. It happened so fast. I never knew that I was going to flip. And then all of a sudden I'm like in the middle of it. And then I remember like, I remember part of it. And then I remember being like up in the air and then I'm looking down and I'm like, Oh crap, close my eyes. And I remember hitting the cage and feeling my shoulder break. I could feel that. I felt that when it came down. I'm like, Oh, that wasn't good. I've separated because I've separated my right shoulder 11 times. So I'm like, all right, I did that again. <laughs> um, which wasn't like a big deal. I mean, I've, I've been through it so many times. It doesn't bother me that much, but, and then I remember like, trying to get out of the car and the one thing that irritated me was like there was fuel pouring into my eyes and i was stuck and i was hurting because my seat had caved over on me um because the the chassis bent so bad it bent my seat down over me like almost to where it was going to break my back oh wow and so i was really uncomfortable i was trying to get out and the one dude in the ram pick dodge ram pickup truck he was like trying to like choke people out that like that were trying to help me get out and like that's the only thing that I'm kind of irritated about is like either the track people need to understand that when we flip a race car, we don't want to stay in there regardless of how hurt we are, especially when there's fuel pouring on us. I'd rather break my back than have my face caught on fire. You know what I mean? Right. Like get me out of there, especially if I'm trying to climb out. And if you don't know what you're doing, even though like our family and friends are not supposed to be on the track, like Lundy, he knows what I'm feeling and that I need to get out of there. And he knows how to get me out of that car faster than that guy, obviously. And so, you know, stuff like that is irritating because, you know, what's going through your mind is like, holy crap, what just happened? And then all of a sudden you're like in pain and hurting and you're trying to get out of a car. And I'm, I'm, my eyes are closed because there's steel running on me and I can't see what I'm doing. And it's like, that's the thing that kind of, bothered me about the whole thing jonah and the rest of the people did a good job the ambulance people they all did their job but that one guy was like i don't know his name i think it's like 
Gary or Kurt or something. I don't oh. know his name. Yeah. The dude that wears the fire suit with the with the head sock on and drives around in the truck. Yeah, well, with the oh, with the with DPR safety, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. he needs to understand. Like we need to get out of the. We need to get out. Like that's the only thing that I look back at. And like we need to like we need to sit down and have like at the beginning of the year. Like the owners of the tracks and sanctions and the drivers need to be like, okay, what do we want to do this year? Here's the rules. Here's the safety. Like. Like in professional sports, you have that, you know. In the NFL, you have NFLPA meetings, you have safety meetings, you have meetings about what we think our pension should be. Like all these types of meetings. Like in a race car, your life's on the line, especially. So there should be some type of meetings where everything is set in stone. Here's the rules. Here's the way things go on. Here's what we vote as drivers how we want things to happen, especially if we're flipped and unconscious. Like and there's fuel pouring on us, get us the hell out of the car. Well, I guess I, I guess uh, since I'm not familiar with those procedures and everything, you were just talking about it. So, um, so who gets to you first? Is it is it your safety is first, or is it car gas everywhere? Car might be a might be a danger for people trying to get to you. Um, what is the procedure on that? I mean, no one's supposed to go on the track. Not your family members. Not yeah, other people right. on the pit. Like no one's supposed to. But I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. If, you know, if, if RJ is driving for me this weekend and he flips really bad, and I see that no one's helping him or he's on fire, like my my reaction is I'm going to help him, whether I'm supposed to or not. That's just that's just you're going to do that if 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 you care about someone or if you're trying to help someone, you're just going to do it, just plain and simple, even though you're not supposed to. I don't know what who's supposed to do what first or you know whatever, but. It doesn't matter if there's fuel pouring on a driver. Whoever can get to that guy first needs to help him get the hell out of that car fast. Because the last thing you want is someone catching on fire. That's the worst thing ever. You know what I mean? Like, those are those are days that you don't want to go through being burnt. And I don't know who exactly is supposed to. I'm sure. I'm I'm assuming it's the track people and the and the paramedics. But i don't know if some of those people even know what to do at that point that's that's kind of my concern yeah. after what happened yeah definitely. And, I, and i would definitely that's that's kind of what i was getting at there is you know it's um as a as as a driver if i was strapping in there and, and you know life is on the line you know it's i, I agree with you on that there should be a you you should know the procedure so you understand <laughs> you might not agree with it but you know you understand that hey the safety guy uh, i would i would assume you know for 99% of the crashes out there, the driver is the, you know, first thing you check on, obviously, but... Oh, 100%. Uh, you know. I mean, the paramedics knew what they were doing, but they weren't the first people on scene, you know what I mean? They were in the ambulance, kind of in the middle yeah. of the track, and they had to drive over there. You know, by that time, I was already up trying to walk away, you know what I mean? Yeah. So hopefully, maybe, uh, you know, some owners and promoters listen to this, get uh, some awareness to that cause, and you know, maybe... Kind of get the uh, the short track drivers council uh, started there for you, Dennis. But uh, you know, kind of looking back, you know, focusing off of uh, you know what happened. Uh, glad to see you're walking around all right. Um, you know, just kind of back on your racing career itself. Uh, last year, picked up your first win in Las Vegas. Um, obviously, uh, you found out a few days later that you won. But um, you, you know, not only that, you also went out and won uh, some NMMRA races as well. So uh, 2018 was a really uh, great year for you. Yeah, it was, you know, it's tough. It's tough to beat some of these guys. I mean, they've been doing it for so long, and you know, it's you know, it's not just yourself. It's setups. It's um, you know, my dad does an unbelievable job of, of 
most of the time getting the car almost staying there perfect for me and you know when it's like that it's a lot it's a lot easier to drive and you know he's not going to always do that it's just like an offensive coordinator they're going to mess up plays and as a as a quarterback or a receiver or running back or a driver you got to make them look good at times but you know it was a good year um you know even though we came in second in the race i mean we ended up getting the win because of a rules violation that was broken for the motor and um we were really good. I mean, I honestly probably could have won that outright if I wouldn't have bobbled coming off a four or two to go because I was faster than him at the end. Um, but just, you know, just to beat Sunshine and, you know, Bernal and Stevie and all those guys that I beat behind me that were there. I mean, there was Wyndham and all those guys were there. So I beat really good guys, Roa, all those guys anyways. So, you know, we were we were really ecstatic after the race, you know, to just keep getting better and ain't off. That's just kind of my motto in life is like, you know, in sports or anything that I've done is if I just get better each time that I do it, eventually I could be as good as anyone. Because I know, I don't care what anyone says, like I know as far as competitor and, you know, the will to win, there's no one that has more than me. They might have as much as me, but there's no one in racing that has, is is more competitive or the will to win is more than mine. It's just, you know, only racing for three, this is my third year really now it's it's tough to beat some of those guys so getting those wins last last year was honestly was really cool and um you know confidence is 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 a lot in racing it's it's a lot more than skill than than people would think it takes a lot of skill but comp your your confidence in yourself and what you can do with the race car is huge and you know this year i think we're even off to a better start um even though you know we didn't win las vegas um you know we missed we missed um we missed the setup a little bit. We, you know, we still had two, you know, six place runs, but we started 14th and 19th. And, you know, the 410 run at Casa Grand, we were really, really good. We went out in the first qualifying group. So, you know, me and Rolla were like 18th and 19th in qualifying or whatever it was, like way back. And so, you know, I was already, I was all the way up to fifth and uh, hit Stevie. And I was, you know, I just getting ready to pass RJ and Stevie. And, I was really good that night in the 410, and then obviously we got the Challenge Cup win the one night at Canyon, which is big force because I've always sucked at Canyon. So, um, you know, I really feel like this year will be better if I can get back in the car sooner the better. But I, I really feel like I could get up to 10 wins this year. And I heard you bring up, uh, you know, your dad set up the car and also comparing it to a offensive coordinator. How much crossover is there, you know, if any, uh, from, you know, competing in the uh, football to uh, competing, uh, you know, driving race cars? I mean, from a quarterback standpoint, you have to understand, like, you have to understand so much about that position, not only what you're doing and the guys are doing around you on offense, but you have to understand what they're doing on defense, why the coach is calling the plays he's calling to try to do what, whether it's to get three or four yards, whether it's to get a first down, whether it's to hit a big play, whether it's, you know, to set us up for punting so that we can have field advantage. Like, in a race car, I don't understand as much about the car as I probably should because I, you know, I just trust my dad. And plus, I don't have the time to go over there and always work on it and be with him. You know, I live on the opposite side of town. But, you know, when bullets are flying at you in a, in a football game and people are about to hit you and you have to calm your mind and just sit in the pocket and throw a ball, whether it's three yards or 50 yards, and take a hit, it's it's a lot like driving a sprint car going into a corner and it's like a swarm of bees around you. And you have to be able to really quiet your mind and be able to see the lines and hit your lines no matter where other people are. And so it's a lot more similar than I thought it would be in all honesty. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, playing arena football, it was really, really fast. Things happened 
really, really fast. And in the beginning in sprint cars, they happen really fast, but things started slowing down for me a lot faster than I think, um, than most people. And I think it's, you know, that arena football helped me a lot because things happen literally within two or three seconds that, you know, sometimes two seconds and you have to get the ball out of your hands and put it in a spot that's, you know, the size of a mailbox and, and a sprint car, you know, split second, you have to change lines or, or throw a slide job or, you know, run up on a cushion at 100, 110 miles an hour. That's six inches away from a wall. Like it's a lot of similarities in how you prepare yourself mentally. Um, not physically, obviously, but mentally. So, it's a lot, a lot more alike than people think. So looking ahead for your uh, career, I mean, obviously, you know, want to see you get back in the car this year, which is, you know, the next step in your career, I, I would assume, uh, personal goal for you. But, uh, you know, just kind of looking ahead, like, I mean, is there any like wing racing on the uh, agenda? Are you trying to go out Midwest and run some races? No, you did the Chili Bowl this year. Uh, any midgets, you know, in your forecast? You do have the midgets coming up at the Western World this year. Uh, anything like that, or are you just uh, kind of focusing in on the uh, the 410 deal? No, so um, we have uh, we had 67 races on our schedule for this year. Um, we got two brand new midgets being built. Um, we already got one of our motors. The other one will be here next week. One of our cars is here, so we'll start putting that together. And then Mickey Myers building our other one, so we'll have two midgets. Um, we have two challenge. Well, we have two motors and one challenge cup car now. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of out on one of those, actually, right? No, we have two Challenge Cup cars. Ralph bought another one, so I got a brand new Maxim one that we built. Um, and then Shaver's got my motor coming here in the next two weeks, so I have a brand new Shaver Challenge Cup motor or Santan Ford motor, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we still have Ralph's motor; they got it fixed. There was nothing wrong with the motor, thank God. And then he built a new car, so we have two of those. And then I have four four sprint cars, uh, two. Two three sixties and two four tens. So, I mean, we plan on racing Santan, USAC, three um, sixties at Vado, Midget Week, um, CRA shows, Indiana Midget Week, Indiana Sprint Week, the SmackDown, um, Calistoga Sprint Week or California Sprint Week, um, and then obviously Oval Nationals and the Western. So, we have a lot of racing on schedule for this year. <clears throat> Not probably any. Uh, wing stuff we thought about just getting a wing and going out there and practicing just to kind of get that speed just so that everything else slows down but you know wing racing is not really something that excites me too much right. doesn't doesn't look as fun to me as non-wing racing and anything away from it because obviously the speed and stuff is probably really cool and something fun to do it just you know to me it's it's a looks like a lot of follow the leader and maybe it's not but you know it's just not something that i get excited about but you know obviously non-wing racing is something that i love and you know i think we have like 15 to 20 races in the midwest we're supposed to do so i'm hoping you know worst case scenario june 1 i'm, I'm ready to go to Mid indiana midget week if not that next race i think is like june 15th and it's a challenge cup race in either tucson or at and that's what i'm shooting for so i know on uh saturday night you mentioned uh, the doctors told you take it easy for two months, and you said what thirty days? You want to be back in there? So what 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 are your uh, goals to to get back? And realistically, what you're looking at to get back into a car and get out there? Um, Memorial Day weekend is what I'm going to shoot for. But worst case scenario, uh, June fifteenth or whatever show that is. Um, I want to say it's um June. Let's see. I have it somewhere on my phone on my calendar. See, June. 
15th, Arizona Speedway. That'll be back with the Santan. Um, yeah, perfect. Santan race. And, you know, I'm leading points right now, even though you guys think Kyle Shipley's leading it. I'm actually <laughs> leading points. If you, put, if you put Dennis Gow and Dennis Gow Jr.'s points together on there, I'm still ahead by a couple points. Obviously, after this weekend, he'll take the lead. I was trying to get my dad to let me just go start and park this weekend just because I can do that. You know what I mean? Right. But but they won't let me without a doctor's clearance. So obviously I'm going to probably lose the points championship on that. Do you really think you would have parked it though? I know. I know. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I, I know I'm nuts and crazy, but I'm not, I'm not willing to. The doctor said like at this point, like until we look at my aorta again, like a fender bender would, would make my aorta blow up in half and I would die within three seconds. So I'm not willing to die Gotcha. Like, to be yeah. stupid. Like I'm willing to die if it's my time, but I'm not just willing to jump out in front of a semi, yeah. but yeah, I would have did it just to get the points to stay close because I feel like if I could get back for the two day show and Memorial day weekend, I could still, I would still probably be in the top three in points. And I, you know, I could probably win, especially when we get to this new motor. I feel like I could win a, a majority of those races for the remainder of the year probably win that points championship and that's kind of what i was trying to do for ralph and his brother and and uh but if it's not in the cards it's not in the cards and we'll hopefully be back worst case scenario june 15th sweet hey uh last one for me dennis and then uh jason uh will have you talk about your sponsors um but i i have a so rj's taken over in your car here uh to, you know while you're obviously not able to drive is it you know, you always hear as a backup quarterback that sometimes it's good just to sit or even a starting quarterback if they're struggling to sit and watch, take notes. Are you are you doing any of that with RJ running in the car like like for Saturday night and, and moving forward for the next few races? Or, you know, are you just that better of a driver than RJ? And, you know, you're going to teach him a few things. I'm definitely wouldn't say I'm a better driver than him. He's a five-time <laughs> defending champion and, uh, well, he won it five years in a row. I mean, RJ's a really, really good race car driver, and he's a good friend of mine. And obviously, I think everyone knows that. And uh, so is Stevie. And it was kind of tough choosing who to put in the car. And the only reason why I didn't pick Stevie or whatever is because he has a full-time ride. And, you know, if, say I come back in 30 more days and he only race, runs a couple of races and he loses his other ride for, you know, that. I just didn't think it was worth it. Where RJ has his own stuff. He drives for his own team. You know, he doesn't have to wear his own stuff out for a couple of races and keep our, our program going with our sponsors and everything. And when I come back, he can get right back in his car and never miss a beat. And so, you know, with RJ, obviously, you know, you're always, you know, I'm always asking him questions and paying attention to what he's doing, just like I've always done with other good drivers like Brian Clawson. I've always watched his videos and do that because I like to study and watch. I feel like that's how you get better. Um, but I mean, it's tough, man. It was it was tough the other night. Just um, Jason interviewing me. I mean, it's tough to watch someone else drive car and and do that. And and although I want to help him and I love him and I would do anything for him, it's it's just tough because I want to be out there and compete. And and uh, you know that was one of the races that I was looking forward to running because Liam McSpadden obviously is probably the greatest sprint car driver in Arizona history, in my opinion. Um, and he's my favorite race car driver since since I was a little kid and someone that I looked up to when I went to the races as a kid. Um, <clears throat> I really wanted to run that race and and give myself a chance at you know doing whatever it was that I could. And I felt like after my 410 race at Casa Grande, I was I was really comfortable and excited about what I could do in 410s after that. And so I was really eager to get back in that 410. And you know, obviously, you know, we're looking at a while between races again. And you know, I feel like I'm 
I'm at a point where I'm starting to get pretty good, where I feel like I should be able to run in the top three every race. And so, you know, this little setback is, you know, it's not going to kill me or, you know, hurt me or help me. I don't think, I think it's just going to, you know, make me more patient in life and which I'm not, and just make me be thankful for the things in life that I do have and sit back and kind of just do my thing until it's my time and, you know, give RJ a chance to, to run my stuff and see how he does. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned Leland right there. You know, you mentioned that your, uh, you know, both your grandpas are in the, uh, hall of fame who else were like some of your uh, heroes growing up as a kid be racing wise or just in general well racing general you know whatever yet i mean i think you know growing up around sports and loving football um i'm on a phone call hold on um uh dan marino was someone that i looked up to since i was a kid i mean he was the person that i wanted to be hence why i'm number 13 um, he's just someone that I looked up to. I don't look up to too many people in life, but um, he's one person that that I looked up to since I was a kid and always wanted to be like and, and make it to the NFL. And, you know, although I didn't get to, you know, be on a team for a full year or get that big contract or play in an NFL game, I, I made it to the NFL and did what a lot of people, you know, would love to do and in the half a percent in the world that's had that opportunity and to be able to play professional football for nine years, regardless if it was in Canada or arena or whatever, it's, it's a dream. And I got the, I got to get paid money and good money at that to do something that I loved. And, you know, at, in racing, you know, um, you know, my family obviously have ties with a lot of people, the Swindells and different people, but, um, you know, my guy was always, my guy was always Leland. He was the only one that I ever really, you know, looked up to and cared for and um wanted to be like if i ever got in a race car and you know obviously he drove for my grandpa so um my grandpa gene and that's where he got his career started and started winning championships so i've been close with him and his family you know since i was a little kid and you know obviously we have ronnie schumann and those type of people who are major people in our sport from arizona that were really really good but i just wasn't as close with those people as i was with leland yeah, that's one thing that I took away from Saturday night. You know, when I did interview you, you said, you know, doctors give you 60, but you want to be back in 30. And I remember, you know, old Leland stories of him crashing his car, you know, beyond fixable and a promoter like, I'll give you an extra grand if you run it and win the main event. And Leland's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of, you kind of remind me a little bit of the uh, the Tempe Tornado. So that's definitely cool. But uh, this week, uh, Canyon Speedway Park for the, uh, the USAC Southwest Series. RJ's going to be back in the Hope Givers International car. Uh, what's Hope Givers all about, man? So Hope Givers is the largest Christian organization in the world that takes in kids. And basically what it is, is it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it is and it isn't. But Hope Givers is... A, is basically out of india and i don't know if you guys know anything about india but if you're born into poverty or you're poor or you live on the streets or you're homeless if you're born that way in india that's the way you spend the rest of your life you're not allowed to get a job you're not allowed to have money you're not allowed to do any of that stuff i forget what the name of it is but the government has a name for it and so what hope givers has done is um they started an organization where they take those kids and they put them through school once they graduate school they put them into um, college to be a pastor, so basically Bible school. And those kids that graduate the the, the Bible school, um, they go on to be pastors, and they build churches from around that whole you know different parts of India. And so when I met David Bird, um, 
I don't know. I mean, a lot of people know Jonathan Bird, his dad, who had the IndyCar team. Jonathan Bird and Dr. Samuel's dad were the people that founded Hope Givers. Well, both of them have since passed away, and now um, Dr. Samuel and David um, are the people that run Hope Givers. And um, it's pretty cool, um, pretty cool deal. If people ever want to check it out or, you know, they need to tithe money or give back, um, I actually bought my first church in India last month. And so you can buy a church in India for $10,000 and that will seat hundreds of people to be able to go to church and learn the word and understand, you know, who their personal Lord and Savior is. Um, our goal is to get, you know, a million kids to that point to where we can save them. And, you know, we're, we're nowhere near that, but that's kind of the, what Hope Givers is, is it gives a chance for kids to get off the streets and make a life for themselves and give back because, you know, that's why we're here on earth is to give back. And, and I think what Dr. Samuel and David are doing is, is unbelievable and phenomenal and just their hearts and what type of people they are was what really drew me to them and, and wanting to give and help and be a part of that whole organization. Well, that's very cool, man. One thing that, uh, you know, a lot of people, well, I definitely see it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people do out there as well as that, uh, you know, your faith in the Lord, uh, which is very cool to see, you know, a driver at this level. You don't really see it too much uh, going on the pits, but you definitely are one of those. And that's a pretty cool story. Um, any other sponsors you'd like to thank here before we get you off the podcast? No, just, you know, Hope Givers obviously is, is, you know, our major one. And then my dad, you know, I know my dad and um, Mark Pastorelli and the rest of my family, they, they work their butts off um, every single day to make this racing program possible, and that's their full-time job. And so, you know, my dad, I just, you know, thank him and, and all the work he puts in and what it means to him and what, you know, how much effort. And, I mean, he he's as competitive as I am, and he wants to win every time we go out there. And so just, you know, those people that make this possible and that, that see the bigger vision and hopefully – through racing and through what we're doing, we can make people realize, you know, and maybe people see my story and, and hear, you know, let's, you know, Dennis survives something that he shouldn't have. And it's not because of me being strong and tough. I mean, that played a part in it, but it's because there's someone, you know, out there that we should give our faith to. And, and hopefully we can change that in racing and, and, and people will see that and start giving back even more. All right, man. We'll definitely, uh, we'll check all that out and, uh, definitely check you out on your uh, social media handles. Uh, if you got anything you want to, uh, follow Dennis Guile at as well. Yeah. Just Dennis Guile on Facebook and Dennis Guile. I think Dennis underscore guy or Dennis dot guile on Instagram. Just, you know, if anyone ever needs anything or needs some help or whatever, that's, that's what we're here for. So hit me up and I'll uh, do what I can. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me anytime, guys. I right, appreciate it, Dennis. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Look no further than GestaltProduction.com. All you got to do is visit the website, click the podcast tab, and find one that fits you. Gestalt Production is also looking to help those who want their voice heard. Email them at info at GestaltProduction.com to find out more. So that was Dennis Guile. Man, that was a good interview. It was, man. It, um... Always good to get the guys that are polished, right? That that know how to talk and inform and and everything like that. And you know, quite frankly, it brings out Dennis's personality because I know I know he's well liked out there uh, for the people that know him on the you know in the race circuits and everything. But for those of us fans that don't deal with him all the time and you talk to him all the time because he is kind of a quiet guy when you don't know him. Um, I mean, just these last like few days are the most I've talked to him. And there's a lot of stuff too. Like we didn't even get to ask him. Oh, so yeah. definitely going to have him back on the podcast at some point, uh, just to kind of ask him, you know, uh, cause I mean, when he first started his racing career, uh, 
you know, there, there was a lot of people who y- you liked him, but if you did him wrong on the racetrack, he was definitely gonna let you know. So, I mean, one of his first races, uh, you called it when he got out of and, his car him and, and old Ronnie Clark, man, walked going across the track, yeah. <laughs> starts wailing on him while he's buckled into his car and you're, you're calling it like a boxing match up there. Yeah. I mean, I mean he's, he's definitely, you know, he wasn't afraid then, but you have definitely seen him change as a driver maturity. And yeah, you know, I, I think this accident's just going to help him mature as well. Um, and you know, that was pretty cool too, to see how open he was talking about that stuff. Cause I mean, it's not an easy thing to talk about at all, but you know, him kind of wanting to start a chart, a change within, you know, the dirt track circle, like, Hey guys, here's what we need as drivers to like get when we do have a big wreck like this. So maybe so get something more uniform, I think would be pretty cool. I think actually that's the most surprising thing. Cause I, I'm not on that side at all. You know, obviously I am a video guy and I've sponsored cars and things like that. So I'm nowhere near the operation side. Uh, that, to be honest with you, that was one of the most surprising things that uh, he was saying on there that, um, you know, on there. Cause he's right. Everything else you do from the corporate world, you know, before every meeting in a, a corporate meeting I ever had, you know, it was here are your emergency exits, right. uh, you know, you go to a school now and it's, Hey, you know, you're in the gym and it's here, the emergency right. exits. And, and it kind of shocks me. We don't have that. Yeah. Right. Like I was kind of eye opening, like, you know, who, cause obviously he's right. The ambulance is going to not be the first person there right. because that's why the safety teams are yeah. in the corners. And, and I guess you can kind of see that there is nothing uniform about Cause I mean, we go to different tracks. I mean, I think our track does a phenomenal yes. job uh, with well, the DRP safety crew. And I think, you know, you get the, the hook out there. Uh, when they come up from Tucson for some of the bigger races, like they do a fantastic job as well, getting them on, you know, well, you, the tow truck. But you go to other tracks, and it's like, what the heck we, is we've the sideshow? <laughs> we've been to tracks where guys have flipped or crashed hard, and it or there was one. Uh, I don't remember where it was. I'm glad I don't, so I don't call them out. But there was one where a guy was literally on fire, and it felt like the fire extinguisher. Vegas guys, that was a uh, Nick Foss in Vegas. Like 20 minutes to get. There. I mean, it felt like it took forever for them to get there. And you know, I was always surprised by that. Like those, you know, there's somebody should be there like within seconds if a guy's on fire inside of his car. So um, no, it, it's it is an eye opener, and uh, you know, and if if anything, if uh, Dennis going through this and, you know, it's not his first hard crash. He had that hard one last year, I think in, I want to say Vegas, but I could be wrong. He had a hard one last year too. Um, but if anything good comes out of it is changing that and having a procedure. So one, the drivers know, cause you know, you know, drivers are stubborn. I'm, I'll just say it. Right. Uh, there's, they're setting their ways. They want it done the right way. And, you know, and, and, you know, the, the safety guys might, you know, they might need to make sure it's like when you go to a fire, firefighters don't just run into the fire. Right. They have to make sure it's safe and all that stuff. So, you know, I can understand. You're like, a, save my puppy. Yeah, I can, I can understand, uh, you know, a safety guy getting there first, making sure, especially if gas is spilling out, making sure that it's not going to explode on, you know, people trying to get him out and stuff like that. So, uh, but that's just something that would have to be a dialogue at that point. And that, that was the most surprising thing uh, in that interview that in terms of the racetrack stuff that I was kind of surprised about yeah so he'll uh, definitely be uh out in the pits this weekend at canyon speedway park as we look ahead to uh this weekend's action actually gonna be a friday and saturday night racing uh action uh wish i wasn't closing down shop on friday night go out there actually no it's open practice on friday it's a one night yeah yeah okay so yeah man why they add both on there on their banner the state 48 classic coming at you from canyon speedway they always do that when you think it's a two-night show i know right i was like oh i was getting all excited but uh no just practice night on friday night but the state 48 classic is uh saturday night at canyon speedway with the usac southwest series um we also got the 
Askren's Trucking Fluxy Fire Sport Mods, the IMCA Modifieds, IMCA Sport Compacts, and the Dwarf Cars on the car down there. So some good racing happening uh, locally down there. Also got Central Arizona Speedway running with the IMCA Modifieds, IMCA Sport Mods, Pure Stocks, Bombers, and the Power 600 Micros. And I will be down at USA Raceway this week. You get to uh, take a week off, I guess. You can say, uh, well, have some, some other plans going it's, on. It's undetermined still, but... Uh, well, the option's there for yeah, you. Yeah, I, I have options. I, I'm not going to judge you if, you if you don't <laughs> drive, you if know, don't two drive hours. To Tucson. <laughs> um, well, I, I told you before, I mean, actually, Tucson is the race I actually want to see this weekend because the ASCS wing guys are... Along with the um, the non-wingers. Non-wingers down there. Uh, it'd be kind of exciting to see... However, my, my personal affair doesn't get done till 5.30, so, you know, unless I get an itch to just drive down there real quick, an hour and a half drive for me, uh, could go to Canyon, or I could just take the week off. Yeah, our Central Arizona <laughs> Speedway, right <laughs> there as well. You modified the, right the, there. The mid-spot, right there, right uh, see there Kelsey between. and uh, Zach. If, if I'm going to drive to Casa Grande, I'm just going to keep driving to Tucson. I'm yeah, there you go. Idea. Yeah, once you exit there to get to 11 Mile Corner, it's like another 40 <laughs> minutes, right? Uh, but we also have the IMCA Stock Cars and the aforementioned Hornets. Um, going to be out there at USA Raceway, which we actually have a uh, raceusa.net is now up and running. So the website is uh, good to go on there and they actually have a full blown schedule now as well. And, uh, you know, just kind of look at the schedule. And this wait, race is kind of like the, the break, I guess, because uh, we have a few months off in yep. May and June, but uh, be right back at it in July with uh, two big races. Uh, featuring some uh, sprint cars, modified sport mods, and uh, stock cars and Hornets on July 4th weekend. So July 6th going to have the uh, next race out there. But after this race, uh, we do have four more races out there and maybe get one or two added on. Yeah, the uh, I was just going to say, make sure they're also on the Facebook page that's up and running. Make sure you like the correct Facebook page. Yes, the one There's, that's USA Raceway dash yeah. Tucson, Arizona. Because yeah, the other one is not updated and you will get no information from it. So, so don't message that one. Yeah. But no, Tucson has some exciting races. And, you know, obviously we're, you know, uh, for Gestalt production for we're going to be filming down in Tucson as well as up here as Arizona Speedway like we do. So we're excited to bring in the two tracks here and uh, promote both the tracks and also get all the races of both these tracks because it's going to be some exciting racing, especially down in Tucson. And it is just a quick drive. If you're coming from Peoria to go to Arizona Speedway. You yeah, know, you might as well there, just there's, go the other way. There's no reason an extra hour. And there's no reason if you're in the East Valley and, you know, you'll drive to Canyon, there's no reason you won't drive down to Tucson. And that, that was kind of my point earlier on that is, you know, I'll be in Mesa uh, on Saturday when when the, my personal thing ends at 5.30. And whichever way I go, it's going to take me an hour to get there, whichever way I go. So right. it's like if I'm going to go to a racetrack, it's just which one do I want to go to at that point. Yeah, I actually talked to somebody from Tucson Saturday night. It was a dad with his uh, son. His son was in uh, his full basic. <laughs> yeah, well, he couldn't have been disappointed because that was some exciting racing. And if, it's, if we even get half of that racing this weekend down there at uh, USA Raceway. It's going to be a phenomenal night of racing down there. Yeah, so looking at the uh, races that have already been ran for um, 
the ASCS Southwest region. Uh, Rick Zill picked up the win at Central Arizona Speedway a few weeks ago. First time back in Victory Lane. Actually missed Victory Lane last year and route to another championship. But uh, JT Imperial leads the points. Well, actually, these are old points. They haven't updated it yet. But uh, actually, no, they did update it. What day are we on? No, they haven't updated it yet. But JT okay. Imperial did lead the points at one point. So we'll get a, a full rundown, hopefully, before this weekend, I guess you can say. But uh, the last race was the 13th uh, two weeks ago. Rick Zill won. Colton Hardy finished second. Lauren Warford got third. Billy Chester and uh, Chris Bono put the wing on the race car and went out there and ran with his uh, 360 motor. So interesting nice. to see if he sticks it local in Canyon this weekend or if he uh, comes down and runs the uh, the wing race uh, after fresh off the heels of a top five. That's the only bad thing about this weekend is you're not going to get that crossover because everybody's got to race somewhere. Right. So you know. I, it'll be real interesting to see where, you know, guys do go out and race that. Um, and then over on the uh, other side of things, uh, you know, like Dennis said, they added him twice on the points thing. So there's two Dennis Gall juniors. So you add all those points up. He actually is technically leading Kyle Shipley, although it says Shipley is leading the points. Obviously this weekend, Shipley uh, going to uh, take the lead, yeah. I would assume. But talked to him this past Saturday night, man. He's saying he wouldn't even go out here if he wasn't leading the points because he has some motor issues going on. So be Shipley interesting. Does? Yeah. So really? it'll be real interesting to uh, see how uh, that whole thing plays out. Of course, uh, him and uh, Josh Shipley coming off a uh, podium finish the last time out at uh they, last, they, they that, finished well, on the podium all with dustin corminy yeah who uh, won the race during the uh, world of outlaw race like i say there. last two races at arizona speedway they both made the podium yeah both brothers, so, so they're, they're a formidable force in that class no doubt about it yeah so, so it'll be real interesting to uh see what goes on there so i uh, definitely looking forward to uh all the uh racing action this weekend and uh make want to make sure you race fans follow us we are on facebook at racing with jason uh individually i am at jason carter 03 on twitter snapchat and instagram so make sure you follow me there and keep up with some uh racing post hockey football whatever the heck you know my twitter type deal actually one guy thought it's racing with jason not racing with baseball or whatever it was but you know i do like to talk other sports i'm not just a, a one-dimensional type guy and uh, you can also hit up steve at smac 500 but your your problem is that you changed your handle to the racing with jason podcast right right so it implies that all you're going to talk about is racing well there's more than life than just racing guys i know i don't disagree i, I know racers don't like hearing that but there is more to life all right <laughs> that that's why i keep it uh you know that's why i keep it just my just my name even kill smack 500 and i talk random stuff and i even get into politics well, I won't get into any of that stuff. You can you can have Bruce and James for that if you want to. He'll be running down to USA Raceway in Tucson this weekend. Look forward to seeing everybody out there. If you can't make it out or looking to just uh, save some money this weekend, by all means, head up to ET Moto Park. We do have the mud bogs going on this week. Uh, action starts at 7 o'clock out there. You can uh, park in the pits and actually run what you brung for uh, $20. Um, additional 20 bucks on top of uh, your $10 that you paid for. So Yeah, and the, the promo is up on uh, both the uh, Arizona Speedway website as well as the Gestalt production page. Um, uh, besides my bias on the promo being so good, but kind of gives you a, a gist of what goes on out there and what you'll see uh, on Saturday night there for a fun evening of mud bogging and sand dragging. All right. Well, looking forward to it. We'll look forward to uh, catching up on what happened this past weekend next week on the Race with Jason podcast.